Hello and welcome to another episode of Side Control Synopsis. A very special episode this week as in a few moments we will be joined by one of the most accomplished people I've had the opportunity to speak with. An army vet, an entrepreneur and an MMA fighter are just a few of her accomplishments. She is a former Cage Fury FC strawweight champion and now a UFC fighter as she looks to make her mark at the 115-pound division against Corey McKenna at UFC Fight Night in London on March 19th. It's none other than Elise Reed. Hope you'll enjoy. So what was your perspective of MMA or just combat like early on in your life? Like, was that something that was, I mean, normal or common to you in when you were growing up? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I think I started as most do in martial arts with, you know, ta- uh, Taekwondo or karate and taking that as a kid. Um, and then of course you go to tournaments and you start building that, um, fighting style a little bit more. Um, but I did watch the early UFCs. I wouldn't say that I was like UFC one. I didn't necessarily watch that live. I don't think I was quite old enough to be watching that live, but, um, but there was definitely something in knowing martial arts and, um, finding that, that love and, and what you're doing and that the body mechanics of it all. And then looking to MMA and seeing that you can take your favorite parts of any martial art and put it together. And I think that was uh, something for me that intrigued me. Uh, I'll be honest, it all started on a whim. I pretty much told my coach, I was like, give me one shot with MMA. And if I do well, then, then we'll take it from there. If I, you know, if I don't do well, then, then we'll, we'll cut it and I won't do it ever again. Um, so that's how it started for me. But I think the, the love as a martial artist is being able to, um, have that understanding of, of, you know, you know, not every martial art is perfect in every situation. And so MMA allows you to, to game plan a little bit and it becomes a little bit more like chess than checkers. And I think that's what, uh, what fascinated, fascinated me with watching it. And then obviously is, is what excites me in terms of, you know, competing in it. Growing up, what was your family's reaction to you going into like combat and, you know, the, the basically, because I feel like for many parents, you always, you almost want to protect, you know, your, your, your child. And so what was yeah. their reaction like when you were you know, going into fighting or ta- Taekwondo, for example? Yeah. Well, so ta- I think Taekwondo, so my, my, my dad was really excited about it. Uh, I don't necessarily know his background in martial arts, but, um, I don't, I don't think he had very much, but he, and he liked seeing me compete in that, that regard. Um, the funny story with, um, my family is my family's pretty crazy. So if you ever looked at what my family does, they're, they're pretty insane people. Um, my mom has done marathons. My dad has done marathons and ultra marathons. My sister has done ultra marathons. So they're, they're, they're like a little wrong yeah, in the head. Right. Which kind of makes MMA similar. You know, you got to be a little off, but, um, the funny story was the, the first fight that I had, uh, I kind of had talked to my mom and dad about it. I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to do something in the summer. Cause I was in college at the time. So I had to compete in the summer. So I was like, I, I might do it in the summer. We're going to see my coach gives me a call and like says, Hey, July, I want to say it was 2013. You know, we got a fight for you. And I called my mom to tell, to break the news to her really that I was like, yeah, I'm going to go in a cage. I'm going to start fighting people. And she goes, you know, she goes, I can't be there. Your dad's running his first hundred miler. So, so the same day my first MMA fight happened, it was the same day my dad was running something like 26 hours straight. So, um, 
So they've been supporters. My mom is probably the most uh, hesitant because obviously, you know, I'm her daughter and she wants to to keep me safe. But uh, I think she she realized earlier on that she wasn't going to be able to convince me otherwise. So she's kind of just reluctantly got in the boat and has, has supported me in every every of my decisions. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a ride for all of us, to say the least. I guess being in such a family is just, you know, more of an incentive to, you know, try out different things and, you know, be more, you know, almost like you can explore more and be more experimental with, you know, what you want to go for. But then, oh, absolutely. yeah. And then, of course, there's the side of it that, you know, you come from a military background, you know, you have, you have trained, you, you know, you're an army wet, you are from Virginia Military Institute. And so what was that like? I mean, of course, it, definitely would have helped you being, you know, more regimented and, you know, it must, it helps you towards your MMA career, but just that process, what was that like for you, you know, getting into it at that time? Uh, I think it was pretty much pretty similar to me getting into MMA. Um, I had no idea what the school was. I, I went on the site and the pictures looked really cool and their um, catchphrase or motto was don't do ordinary. And, um, you know, like you said, I've just been accustomed to trying different things and, and being open to having those experiences. And so I saw this as a challenge, that school is a challenge. And I was like, eh. it's like, it can't be that bad. Or I'll be with like-minded individuals. And um, uh, my Taekwondo coach, my UFC coach, he jokes about it that I went to prison. So, uh, <laughs> so it was, it was crazy. It was really crazy. I went to school. I had no idea what to expect. I thought uh, one of the, the haze, it, Technically, it's not hazy, but one of the really serious workouts was uh, a party because they called it a sweat party. And so I got invited to a sweat party that I thought was an actual party. And it was like this 15 minute workout where my nose bled just from yelling too loud. So Jesus. Uh, so no, it was it was a crazy experience. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but um, but it definitely was another position where I jumped into it without really knowing all the facts. And uh, I made it work out for the best. But yeah, no, it was, uh, there's bars on the windows. You're yelled at 24-7. Uh, your day starts at 6.30 and ends maybe at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And you just do it over and over again. So, um, so yeah, so I, I kind of went to a, a semi-prison that had really motivated individuals. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Do you find your like the university or the college experience almost tougher than being almost in the military because of how grueling it is and it's so consistent? And you, it's not just the physical side of it. There's also the academic side of it at the same time. Yeah, no, I, that's a great question. I, um, I think the school attracts people that, like I said, are like-minded, that want that challenge of both physical, mental, uh, academics, um, and it wasn't that I necessarily needed regimen. I think that the, the regimen is what is the toughest part, right? There's rules for everything. If you weren't dressed according to what you're supposed to be dressed 24 seven, you could get in trouble or you could be marching around in a circle. And so um, I wouldn't say that it's, it's more challenging than the military. I think the military has its own challenges. Um, I, have, I have friends right now that are overseas that are working 12 hour days, uh, seven days a week. and you know, they maybe speak to their family once or twice a week. I mean, there, there's definitely challenges that, that are mimicked um, or that I at least got to experience a little bit at the school that I, that I experienced while, uh, you know, deployed and, and in the military. So I'd say it probably just prepared me a little bit. I mean, right. 
the phrase for them is a Spartan lifestyle. So, uh, so you get used to working with the bare minimums and making, making a lemon out of lemonade, so to speak. Right. And you mentioned that there's, a, there's of course a physical aspect of things, you know, even in fighting, but then the mental aspect of it is so important as well. Right. Because I, yes. I think I was listening to your speech that you gave uh, at VMI and yeah. you didn't mention that, you know, sometimes in fighting, you're trying to book a fight. It takes eight or nine times before you can actually get a fight going and being mentally prepared for not just losing at some point, but also training for each and every different fighter, being prepared for all sorts of circumstances. How important is the mental aspect of it? Like it, it almost feels like the make or break in sports for, oh, for, for so many athletes. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's huge. I, I don't think, I think what I do best is the mental aspect. What I do, what I, I mean, everybody, everybody at a certain level is going to get to where physical is comparable, right? Where they're training so often, I'm training so often. And the only difference is how does that physical improve your mental aspect and how does that physical improve how you're thinking in the fight and how you get ready. And I think, um, you know, I've learned that it's every fight camp is a sprint, but the whole career is a marathon. And if your mind isn't ready for that marathon of, uh, getting up and going to the gym and realizing like all those six weeks of work pretty much went to nothing because, you know, the fighter didn't make weight or they got injured and you got to try this all over again. I mean, um, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely huge. And I think, uh, the, the, the school, my school, the military, all those experiences that I've had that have strengthened my mind have, have given me the, you know, top, top position oftentimes, um, in the mental aspect, because that's, that, that's it. I mean, and you can see it in a fight as soon as you break them, it's, it's like, you know, taking candy from a baby. It, it really is a, it's such a huge part of it. You know what I mean? Can you tell in a fight if, you know, you've, you've broken someone mentally, is that, is that like, you can tell in a, during a fight? Yeah. 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 I, I, so it's, um, so everybody goes into a fight or oftentimes fighters go into a fight with some type of game plan or they have scenarios that they worked out or, you know, they have an, an assumption, right? Because everything up until that moment is speculation, right? What you, what you've watched on tape, what you've seen that they tend to do, uh, what you tend to do, it's all probability of what is going to happen. And as soon as, as soon as it doesn't go right for one person, it can swing drastically. Um, I mean, I, I won't necessarily name names, um, but I've been compromised in, in a few positions during my fights. And I remember them having the thought that they had it. And as soon as, as soon as they saw that they didn't, it was like, it's that's the worst, right? When you're working for a position or you're, you're thinking that it's almost over because it's such a relief to have it be over uh, that when you don't get that, or when you think you're really close and the other person triumphs uh, it, it swings it drastically. And I've taken advantage of that uh, as well as, as mentally finding what they want you to do before you do it. So uh, for instance, setting something up and having it to where, you know, that they're reacting a certain way and playing off of that. It then messes with their whole scenario and probability, right? Because now they know that you're expecting that, that movement or that, you know, technique. Um, so it's huge. That one, one thing that I tend to do in between rounds is I will never sit down. Right. I won't right. sit down. Uh, and it made Mr. You know, made my coach really upset a lot of times because it, 
you know, I'm not really paying attention. I'm in my right. own head. Um, but when you get somebody that's, that's tired, and I think that's just from my military and Taekwondo training where I just, I love when people are tired. I will go all day long. I love when people are tired. And uh, some of those mental things is I, I won't sit down in the corner. I just won't. You won't ever see me tired. And uh, yeah, no, there's a lot. There's a lot of little things that go into uh, to those fights. And a lot of it is mental. So and yeah, and like I, you mentioned a great point there that so many fighters, when they see the moment where they can actually end the fight because it's such a relief, they go for it and they don't realize the toll it takes on them. And for you, who's so regimented and knows what it takes and, you know, what, what your capabilities are, you're able to pace yourself in that regard. While so many people will realize, well, shit, I've basically done what I could. And yeah. I, I didn't get that win, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I listen, and it comes from experience as well. I I, I have been very fortunate to, to not, to be reg- regimented enough to where I haven't, you know, gassed out or have enough tank where I don't gas out. But uh, one of my amateur fights, I'm choking. I'm like choking, choking, choking. Like I could pop her head off and, um, and she escaped or the, the belt ended or the round ended. And I'm standing up and I'm like, Oh my, fuck, my arms, like shit, like my arms are killing me. Um, so, so, I mean, you, you live and you learn too, right. That, that, uh, at sometimes it's a, when you start seeing that that kind of light at the end of the tunnel, you're like, okay, so let's turn it up. I got another 10 seconds. I can work a little harder. Um, but if you if you go too far, then now, you know, now if it lasts another 15 seconds, then then you might not have the the fight at all. And you see that you see that even with UFC, UFC fights, you know, yeah. even big time fights. It's just um it's something that happens, you know, you 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 overestimate or or you you guess wrong or you know, it's just, yeah, it plays a role. And your first amateur fight, I mean, being yeah. in that atmosphere for the first time, you know, where people are watching and you are actually in a competition. Yeah. What was that experience like? Just facing an opponent there who's there to basically, it's not a sparring session anymore. You're not there in the real deal. What was that like? Uh, so my first amateur fight was, um, I was, I was amped up like nobody's business. Uh, and part of it was the training. So the training camp that we had going into my first fight was a little unorthodox. So it's three grown men, maybe 180 to 210 pounds. And they, excuse my language, but they beat the shit out of me for two hours, like every other week, every week, once a week, every Tuesday, I, re- I dreaded Tuesdays because we would go down to the t- cage and we just get, I just get thrown two and four. So my first amateur fight, I'm standing next to this girl. And we just made weight, right? She, she didn't actually make weight. She missed it by a few pounds, but it was a catch weight. It was no big deal. But I remember looking at her and she's my size and she's weighing in around my weight. And I just remember thinking like the, the next time we're this close, I'm going to be able to like hit you hard. Uh, so the first fight lasted 15 seconds. I was like a caged animal that has fi- had finally been released. So, um, I think there's, there's being anxious or nerves is a part of the process, regardless of whether it's your first fight or your next fight, or that's just the way it works. But, um, but no, my first fight, I, I was hooked. I couldn't remember a single thing that happened in those 15 seconds. 
And uh, I just wanted to do it again. So, so it was like, like blood in the water. It just, it was what set the, set myself on a trajectory to just keep this, keep this thing going. So, uh, so no, my first fight was awesome. Um, Uh, Yeah. 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 And I think that, yeah, as you mentioned, that was, that was a catchway. That was your first almost close experience with being a flyaway. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, which will never happen again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I, my first, yeah. So, so first amateur fight, um, I think I weighed the, it was one, it was technically supposed to be a one fifteen. She weighed in one eighteen, And I want to say I hit something like one thirteen or one fourteen. Even I had way too much. Um, and I wasn't even, it wasn't even really a weight cut. So, uh, so yeah, so flyweight is not on the cards for me. Right. Uh, won't, you won't, you won't see me hit that limit ever right. where, uh, where I'm an actual flyweight. Um, yeah, no, 115, 105. That's where, that's where I'm happy. That's where I'm, I'm the best. It's interesting you mentioned that because I think so many of your amateur fights and even uh, one of your fights, a uh, professional was at, was at atom weight. But yeah. then again, that's not a, you know a luxury you have in the UFC. Um, are you comfortable at straw weight, or like is there a preference you have between straw weight or atom weight at all? Uh, so I think it's a silly thing, but I think the 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 reason why atom weight is easier for me is because I don't have to eat so much to get right. to atom weight, right? right? So so for me to be for me to be a straw weight, uh, I am eating an exorbitant amount of food. Um, which it just comes to having a regimen and being able to eat so much. So, so I, I am, it's, it's weird because 105, I, I found a home at, I, you know, I obviously, um, competed amateur wise. And then I was pretty much shot up to 115 because of the Jasmine fight and CFC. So then I realized, okay, so I'm here, I've got to, got to sit here and, and hang on to this for a little bit. And obviously now in the UFC at 115. Uh, again, I'm eating a, an exorbitant amount of food, but, um, but at 105, I actually lost at 105, 115, technically, technically I am still undefeated both in amateur and pro. So, uh, I think I'm better at 115. I think I can, I can work a little harder during fight camps at 115, but, um, but obviously, you know, in the UFC, I want to make sure that 115 is a solid 115 and not, not like a 115.8. Uh, that I'm, that I'm, you know, that I'm jumping yeah. into the ring, looking like somebody that, that should be fighting 115. So I think that's, that's the biggest challenge outside of that. Uh, 115 is a, a really happy home for me. So you said you had to eat a lot for 115. What was it like for 125? <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. You can, you can, I'm sure they didn't enjoy it. And I apologize now that now that it's over, but while we were in Vegas for that week, uh, my coach was making, uh, steaks and rice and all the sorts of food. And we were grilling outside and I'm sure everybody that was on a weight cut hated it. Um, but no, I was eating, I was eating easily 2,800 to 3,200 calories. And I wouldn't add a single pound. I was not eating. I was not adding a single pound. So, uh, I, I went so when we got the call from there up until pretty much the day before the fight, cause I didn't want to be like, so feeling like full that I, it wasn't going to work, but I ne- didn't, 
ingest anything that didn't have a calorie associated with it. So all I was drinking and eating had a calorie between those last, those three weeks between, uh, between notice and, and jumping in at 125. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's possible for me. Well, we'll yeah. see maybe down the line, but as of right now, I am a very comfortable 115. Uh, the UFC could call me on two days notice and I'd be able to jump in and, and get things done. So, um, so yeah, so no, yeah. 125 is uh, not my yeah. home. Never has been, never will be. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it, it, since we're talking about it, I, I mean, you had your, first, your UFC debut against Ajari Eubanks at yeah. 125. Yeah. And she was coming down from 135 while you were going up to 125. I mean, that yeah. mismatch is just, and, and you took that fight on short notice. Yeah, so, no, it was insane. Um, I think... Obviously, my focus now is March and getting getting job done in March. Um, but I think in the next few years, looking back at my career, that'll probably be one of the silliest things I've done. Right. Um, if anything, it showed that I have I have some brass balls because I I, I honestly as as bad as it looked, I felt completely fine. Of course, like yeah. I could it it didn't break anything. And, and in all honesty, they obviously checked me out and brought me to the ER and. Um, they had found a previous fracture on my cheek. So in one mm. of my fights I actually broke my face. I didn't even know it. And, um, and yeah, so, so yeah, that was a, that was a fight where we had a good game plan. We knew that we were going to go in really underweight. Sajara did her thing. She, she did a weight cut that was phenomenal. So she just came in, you know, perfect. Right. I mean, 141 to 126, you can't get better in terms of weight cut than that. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was the lesson to learn. It was still a great experience. I'm here now, and I get to I get to hang out at 115. So yeah, so big things happen in this division. And again, I, I don't think anyone can say you know there was any weakness in that fight because if you go to a fight against Jasmine, for example, in that fight she she's so much taller than you, and for you to actually use your taekwondo and keep you know being in and out constantly and using your movement to get that split decision win. Just yeah. an absolutely incredible feat. And that means that, you know, that, that shows that you're not kind of, that's not something that people can point out as a weakness of yours at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, like I said, we had a really good game, game plan. Um, the, the, the one thing that, that caught my face was really just like a, a slice here. But if you watch the tape, there very little of those elbows actually got through. Yeah. Um, so, so no, I felt, I felt fine. I knew that I knew that time was ticking though, and that likely the doctor wasn't going to let me out of the second round. So I was I was going going to zero to zero to hundred real quick. But um, no, that's and that's what it's most exciting, honestly, is is being in a position where now I get to be at my own weight class and show off the stuff that I know I, I can do well. I mean, uh, I was supposed to lose that Jasmine fight hard. Like I was. Nobody, nobody saw it coming. I think Tapology had me at 8% or 6%. So um, I think that's, again, the most exciting is we, we've been working on between uh, the last UFC fight, this UFC fight, things that I've done since I was in Taekwondo since I was six. And now we're finally putting into a game plan that, um, that gets to be displayed. So uh, no, I'm, I'm stoked, honestly. And I think that for, for me, the two fights that kind of stood out to me was the Jasmine fight because of how well you executed your game plan in getting that win. And the second one would be the fight against Hillary Rose. 
Yeah. Because not just in the fact that your stoppage power was transferable into this, you know, at that weight and at that level, yeah. but, but the way you performed in the fight was just great. Um, how do you, which fight do you look back on as the fight that made you think, okay, I, I am, you know, at this level and I've leveled up almost. Do you look back on any fight in particular at all? Yeah. I, so I think, I think it's hard, hard to not talk about those two, right? The Jasmine fight and Hillary Rose fight. Cause um, just from, from my journey on the whole thing, right. I was supposed to lose the Jasmine fight. We ended up making it a title and then it became a main event and I'm, I'm a nobody thrown into this position and, uh, and coming out of that, realizing that one, I felt that was in the cage. It felt like the worst, worst fight that I had done in the cage. I looking back now, obviously I know it wasn't, but she had such a reach that I had never been hit that much. Um, I normally hit the other people. And so with that reach, I, you know, I had to take a little damage. And so being able to go through three rounds of what I thought was adversity the entire time and coming out with, with that type of performance was huge. And then, then I was like, okay, so now I'm here, right? Second fight. And I have a belt. I'm not going to give it up. Like now, now we're here to we're play for keeps. Uh, and the Hillary Rose fight was one that I knew that she was on contender. I knew that the person that she had a decision with the girl that's now in the UFC, that she was somebody that was, that's very, very skilled. And I think, um, she still is likely going to be seen in the UFC at, at some point. I think she, she's a very, very solid striker and fighter. And so uh, we knew that was a, a big fight because of her experience level and where she had already been competing. Uh, and to be in a compromised position in the first round, I literally, after that first round, uh, I went into my, I went to the corner and I told my coach, I was like, I got this. He's like, I know you do. I, I don't remember anything that he told me after that, but I remember going to the corner and be like, okay, I, like I figured her out. This is, this is mine now. And so um, having that controversy in the first round and then finishing it in the second with some solid elbows was, uh, was, was really nice, obviously. And I had my, my, you know, family and friends able to support me there, which is great because I hadn't had, had a, uh, had an audience yet. So um, no, those, those two fights are, are it. And I think, uh, I'm looking forward to putting on a performance like that for the UFC. You know, I think, uh, I'm not going to fight anybody yeah. bigger than Sajara Eubank. So let's, let's go games on. No Martin for, for your parents on, on that night. Were they? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I called my mom as soon as I got into the, the, uh, ambulance to let her know I was okay. But, um, I, I had no idea how it looked. I even, even getting at the ambulance, I was like, hey, I, I was like, hey, coach, Mr. K, I got to I got to use your phone. I got to see what this looks like. I was like, oh, oof, it looks <laughs> rough. It's a rough go. But, but, but again, great, great win for you on that one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and they're then, still there. So it's all good. Yeah. And, and then I think after the fight, you had a bit of a moment with CM Punk where you kind of went up to him. And <laughs> what was that like? Did you actually have a conversation with him prior to the fight or? Uh, so, so the, the crazy thing is, is Hillary, Hillary had fought, uh, previously, I want to say in April, April, she took it on April. She took a quick, quick turnaround. So it was April and I, I was there watching it. And so whoever was going to win, whoever won that fight was going to end up taking, like go for the title. That's what we, we planned. We wanted the person to be on the win. So, 
Hillary won that fight. And I actually went up to CM Punk and John Morgan after I said, by the way, I was like, that's it. Like, that's the next one. Um, and they had always talked about me. Now, all love to CM Punk and John Morgan now, but leading up to these, she, they had always talked to me about an underdog. I'm always the underdog. It's fine. I'm sure them the underdog in this one coming up, which is fine. I'm used to it at this point. Always the blue corner. But um, but I think I was yelling like not an not an underdog anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't out of anger. It was just like it was like again. It was just a and a realization like this is let's 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 go here. So. Um, they then they then pretty much mentioned how you know uh my my level had had shown through and and hopefully the usc called so no they're they're uh cfc is a great organization uh rob haydack cm punk john morgan i mean um they they were they were not so big of fans initially but i i think i have them in my corner now leading leading forward so that's a good thing did you feel like after the fight that perhaps the next move would be the UFC. Could you, could you have imagined that your next fight will be in the UFC? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, I see if it seems really, really nice. We uh, were ready to, to be there and defend it until the call was coming. But um, we, I knew that I had already won against Jasmine, who is now in the UFC, who was, you know, a prospect that I had finished a girl, that the girl in the UFC hadn't finished. So, I, so I knew it was going to, it was just a matter of time. Um, we were, we were looking forward to that call. Um, obviously we would have hoped it was in the one fifteen, but Hey, you know, you can't, you can't get everything they asked for, but, uh, but yeah, we were, we were ready to either keep defending that title and, and keep putting on those type of performances or, or get that call. Um, we realized that we were, we had been kind of pole vaulted into a position unusual than than most just because of that that first jasmine fight you know it's just just what happens yeah. so and what was the reaction like finding out that you will be in the ufc uh it was pretty crazy um i think i think signing it was was insane and then obviously going there for the week and and experiencing it was pretty insane i mean uh it's uh it's all, honestly, it's still surreal. Um, I think everybody in MMA starts this to get to a position where they're here, you know, where they, where they can, they can fight and they can, they be in the UFC. And then, um, so having that come to fruition, uh, is humbling. Honestly, I'm very grateful and fortunate for, for the opportunities and experience that I've had. And, uh, yeah, now I'm looking forward to taking advantage of yet another opportunity. So, uh, so yeah, I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the long haul. How often do you look back and just smell the roses, you know, see the work that you've done and, you know, kind of give yourself props to now being in the UFC and, you know, being a prospect. How often um, do you just give yourself that credit? I wouldn't say it's too often. Uh, I think, I, I think, uh, in, in all of my career, I've always been looking to solidify, you know, my performances and, and what, what people think of me. I, I think that's, you know, I've said it before. You're only as good as your last fight. My last fight wasn't, wasn't my best performance. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to coming in and, and going again in March, but uh, 
this last two years have been a crazy ride. So, so it's, it's hard not to step back and, and recognize that, that you're now in a position where you can't, uh, you can't be all odd in terms of where you are. And now it's like, okay, so you're here now. Let's, let's, let's go, let's get to work. Cause now you got stuff to do here. So um, it's interesting. It's a very nice position to be in. Uh, but I know that I have plenty of work to, uh, to keep, keep doing it so that I can keep smelling the roses and, and keep, you know, looking back and saying, you know, wow, this is, this is where we're at now. So, uh, so fortunate, but still got a lot of work. And your next fight is uh, in UFC London. Uh, in March against yeah. Corey McKenna. How do you see that one playing out? I think it's going to be a really exciting fight, fight to watch. Um, I, I don't like to, to call out my finishes. I think, I think my coach likes to, to, to guess those, but, um, but I think I have done so much practice in new things because I haven't had uh, a fight for this, amount of time where I have been able to really uh, play with things and play with techniques that I wouldn't necessarily use or have used in the octagon that uh, that I'm looking forward to showing off. Let's just say that because, you know, uh, as a striker and a Taekwondo expert, so to speak, um, you have, you haven't necessarily seen all of that in the cage. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really cool fight to watch uh, come March. I'm, it's going to, it's going to be fun for me. We'll just say that. Absolutely. And what are your ambitions now? I mean, now you're in the UFC. What are your ambitions in the division looking forward? Oh, that's a, that's a hard thing to say when I haven't, I haven't quite had a fight 115 right. yet, but, um, but I mean, uh, obviously it's, it's to take over a little bit. I haven't, I haven't done it, done it yet, but, uh, but I've, I've gotten belts before and I know that's a really big thing to say at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to just hang around and, uh, and be a part of the UFC. You know, I want to be, I want to be more than that. So, uh, you know, the 115 division is a very, very deep division. A um, lot of very, very good fighters. Obviously I'm a huge fan of Rose. Doug Rose has been an OG since the beginning. Um I'm not looking there yet, but I, but I am looking forward to putting on uh, really good showings at the 115 in the 115. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. Absolutely. And final question. I mean, you're again, you're a great MMA fighter, but you're also an army vet. You're an entrepreneur, you know, you, you own the kickside gym again and you know so many different things but looking back i mean maybe decades down the line how would you like to be remembered oh you got some good questions man you got some good questions um i think i think with all of my experiences right not just looking at ufc i think uh i have been able to use mma as a as a medium for showing what you can do um and being somebody that's remembered to helping others find their own passion and, and showing them that it's possible, I think would probably be the, the biggest thing. I mean, um, that's how I, that's how I was taught in martial arts. As long as you work hard, you're consistent, uh, and you have, you know, you're, you're determined, you can pretty much do whatever you want, whatever you put your mind to. And I think, uh, I would love to, to put that to work. 
um, that's, that's really it. I'd love to be remembered for the person that, that inspires others to do, do what, what they want. Cause I've always been an underdog. So, uh, so I'm always, always willing to uh, take that role and show people that, you know, hard work and determination makes, makes a big difference. I mean, I'm sure that's, that's happening as you speak, you know, people are looking up and seeing that, you know, fine, you might be, you might've been an underdog before, but the performance speak for themselves. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you the best going forward.